Thank you for joining us here today at Liberty Church. We pray that the love of God will be made known to you through this podcast. If you wish to know more about our church or would like to support our ministries, check out our website at libertychurch.life. Or you can look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Again, thank you for joining us and welcome to Liberty Church. Romans chapter 12 is where I'm going to be speaking from this morning and uh, Leviticus chapter 17, but you just go to Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. I made a statement a couple of weeks ago. I I don't want anybody to uh, misunderstand. Um, I was talking about the music, how much I love the music, but uh, I said, well, you know, I don't really have to have music to worship. And, and actually, you, you don't. Uh, you can worship in the barn in the lower 40. or <laughs> you, can, you can break out and worship God anywhere, but I, I do praise God for the wonderful music that does um, condition the atmosphere, if you will, and leads us to worship. Music is from God, and so it, music is very powerful, very powerful. So please don't let anyone think that I said we don't need music. We do need music. Amen. <clears throat> think someone misunderstood that. I certainly apologize. Romans chapter 12. This is a tremendous verse, two verses, one and two. Um, Absolutely amazing verses of scripture here. It is a plea by Paul that the Christians must worship God with their life as they learn God's will. And their life is now a living sacrifice. And the life that's a living sacrifice must not be tainted, altered, or stained by this world's ways. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Now, let's read what Paul said. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. Now, in that verse of Scripture, uh, translations have this different. Your your reasonable service, your spiritual worship. I, I tend to like that word spiritual worship. He said, this is your spiritual worship as you give your life as a living sacrifice, it's the worship that God requires. And he said in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I love those two verses of Scripture. They're amazing. Let's look at verse 1 for just a minute. I want to highlight that phrase, living sacrifice. First, let's understand the value of the sacrifice that we see mostly in the Old Testament. Now, God revealed the sacrificial system to Moses mostly as a method to deal with the sins of the people as individuals and also as a nation. The sacrifice was very important to their relationship with God. The sacrificial system that God ordained, gave to Moses, it was very important to follow it. With their relationship with God, 
God said, you've got to do this. And so it must be followed to enhance their relationship with God. It was very meaningful. I mean, it, it included their total obedience. It meant their forgiveness. It was their link to God, the sacrificial system. It was their link to God. God said, I give you this plan of sacrifice in order to save your life. That's what he told Moses. That's what he's telling the people. He said, I give you this plan of sacrifice in order to save your life. And that is written well in Leviticus 17, 11. The word says, for the life, speaking of sacrifice, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So the life is in the blood. And that sacrificial offering, which required blood, it's like God is saying, that life in place of your life. That's what he was saying. So this, this sacrificial system in the Old Testament was, was very important. God was saying the, the life of that animal, the life that was in that blood, that's life that ascends to me, and it takes your place. That's really what he would say, life for life. God showed his mercy. He was showing mercy upon that nation of Israel who continued to rebel, I don't know how many times. But he said, for there is life in the blood of the sacrifice, and its life is for yours, given for yours. You know, something that significant, the sacrificial system, um, something that significant and meaningful must be done God's way. It must be carried out God's way. But we read in scriptures that some did not. Some circumvented the process. Uh, and a couple, for instance, while in the wilderness on the way to the promised land, the people continued a pagan practice. Some of the people, not all of them, continued a pagan practice that they had learned in Egypt. They were sacrificing an animal on their own in open fields to the goat demons. Believe it or not, it's there. It's written. And, and in this process of sacrificing in the open fields to some goat demon that uh, originated in the lower parts of Egypt, some cult, they were sacrificing in the open fields to this, whatever it was. Uh, there are a couple of names for it, but the scripture actually says goat demons. And during that uh, uh, ritual that they had, there was so much vile activity, absolutely obscene, terrible things went on during that ritual of sacrificing to a goat demon. And God had enough. God said, that's an abomination and it must stop. And he gives instruction in Leviticus 17, 5 through 7. Let me read that to you quickly. He said, this is to the end, meaning it was going to stop, that the people of Israel may bring their sacrifice, that they sacrifice in the open field, that they may bring them to the Lord, to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and sacrifice them as sacrifices of peace offering to the Lord. And the priest shall throw the blood on the altar of the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting and burn the fat 
for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Verse 7, so that shall no more sacrifice their sacrifices to goat demons. You know, the Lord said, it is enough. I have delivered you from Egypt. I've called you to be my own special people. And I've given you this sacrificial system to actually draw you closer to me through obedience to it. Now he said, we can't have the sinful system that you're doing, you brought with you out of Egypt. You cannot continue in that. That must stop. Things must change. And God said, no more are you to ignore the sacrificial system that I've given to you. He said, this is a statute to you forever. You know, um, no more were they to make a sacrificial offering in these open fields by themselves because the sacrifice was holy and it was to be brought to Aaron at the tent of meeting and he was to offer it properly unto the Lord. They were not to take it on their own and do it on their own. You know, that sacrifice was to be their best offering that many of them would bring, their best offering and given from a heart of obedience in a prescribed manner. Now, if they didn't give it from a heart of obedience, God wouldn't accept it. He would reject it. As we see in Isaiah 1, the whole chapter, read it when you get home, it's a tremendous chapter. God said, in, in my words, he said, don't bring this offering to me if you don't mean it. If it's not from your heart, don't bring it to me. I don't want it. He said, your false obedience, your show that you're putting on, but in your heart, you don't mean it, so quit bringing me that offering. He even went so far as to say, when you raise your hands, I'll turn my back. When you cry out to me in prayer, I will not listen. So he said, do not bring that false offering to me when it's not coming from your heart and you really don't mean it. So he said, that must stop. The sacrificial system was, now I know I'm belaboring this point just a little bit, but hang on, there's, it's really important. The sacrificial system was not meant to be a quick fix for the sinner who had no intention of ceasing his sin. The sacrificial system was for a person who felt remorse and sorrowful for their sins. Thus, they had a way, a method to say, I'm sorry, God, through that sacrificial system. And the Lord accepted it. Their obedience helped to transform their behavior. Their obedience helped to transform their behavior. Back to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The transformation that takes place. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. Powerful verse of Scripture. He said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Now, I'm bringing you back to the New Testament in Christ. He said, do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world. You know, uh, let God transform you by changing the way you think, that you may know what the will of God is. And the will of God is always perfect and pleasing. So he said, 
Um, your mind is being transformed by your obedience to the Christ. And as you fill your mind with God's word, you're being, actually being transformed. I can testify this um, tremendously. Uh, most of you know, if not all of you know, that I'm reading, uh, and I encourage you to do that. Stay in the Word. Read it every day. Read, 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 read. And I find the more that I'm doing this, it's like um, a transformation is taking place. I'm seeing and understanding more what the Word of God is actually saying. And let me add this. I... I go less to the commentaries, which are okay to read and study the commentaries, and men of God have written them, but I go less to them now, and it seems like I'm getting more understanding just by reading the Word. Now, don't misunderstand the statement. Don't throw away your commentaries and your dictionaries. All those are good. I still use them, but I said I find myself going less to them. The more that I read God's Word, the more that I put my mind into God's Word, there's a transformation taking place. And if you don't get anything else today, please get that. You spend more time in God's Word and get that Word in your mind and your heart, and a transformation will take place in your life. There's a little story here by a writer, Hugh Martin, in the Parables of the Gospel. He tells the story of a rather rough, uncultured man who fell in love with a beautiful vase in a shop window. Well, he bought the vase and he put it on the mantelpiece in his room. And there it became a kind of a judgment on its surroundings. He had to clean up the room to make it worthy of the vase. The curtains looked really dingy beside it. The old chair with the stuffings come out of it just wouldn't do anymore. The wallpaper had to change. The paint on the wall needed fresh paint. Gradually, the whole room was transformed to that beautiful vase that was on the mantle. Things around it had to change. This is what the Word of God will do to you. It will transform you. It'll change your world, everything around your world, everything in you. It'll change you totally. It may take a little time, but the more you read it, the more it will transform you. And this is what the Lord calls us to. Verse 2 actually teaches we're to be transformed, totally changed by receiving God's Word, God's implanted Word into our minds. Now, God continually told the people through Moses that they are God's own special people, and they were and still are, and so are we. And they are to be set apart from their former practices that were opposed to God. He said, you're special. You don't do those old things anymore. There's a new system for you. There's a new way for you. Now, he had a specific order for the people of Israel, and by their acts of obedience— they were accepted and forgiven by God. Now, in the New Testament, likewise, there's a system given to us. But it happens to be the Christ. The Lord has set an order for Christianity, and it must be followed. 
Jesus said, follow me. Jesus said, love me and love others. Jesus said, keep my teachings. Jesus said, be ready and prepared. Jesus said, forgive and it will be forgiven. Jesus said, abide in me and I will abide in you and you'll bear much fruit. Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit and go make disciples. And we can go on and on and on. The teachings of Jesus, that's what we are to obey now. That's our system now, obeying the teachings of Jesus. Because we have become, as Paul said, a living sacrifice to God. And we have become holy to God. Holy meaning special. You're set apart for God and for his work. We have become holy, a holy people. You know, many in Israel thought that uh, they were free since they left Egypt and its bondage. They thought, well, we're free. We are liberated. We can kind of do what we want now. and We will not suffer repercussion from the Egyptians. We're free now. Many Christians kind of act the same way. We believe in Christ and that we're under grace. Thus, we can live as we please. That is a fallacy. That is a misconception of the truth. We cannot live as we please. We do have a system and it's written in the scriptures. And we're to follow that. If we follow our own desires to please the flesh nature, then we are sacrificing a dead offering in the fields of demons and God will reject it. God will reject it. We're called to the Christ, to live for the Christ, to walk with the Christ, to reflect the character of Christ and not our own. In Christ, we have become a living sacrifice that is to continually offer praise and honor to God. Our life must reflect that. Paul said that is our spiritual worship that God requires of us. Requires. He's not asking, he's requiring that of us. It's like if you come to Christ, you repent of your sins and you say, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior, be my God. Well, you're set apart now. You're a special people that God has set apart. And he's given us a system to go by, the teachings of Christ, the teachings in the New Testament in which we follow. God requires that of us to be obedient and follow that because we are a living sacrifice, which is holy to God. And Peter said it this way, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What a powerful way to state it. I mean, the Apostle Paul offers a beautiful thought concerning the sacrificial or the sacrifice. In Romans 15, 16, and 17, he said this. He said, the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offerings of the Gentiles, that's important, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Now it seems to me 
that Paul is making a relational tie here with the Old, Old Testament sacrificial system. Offering to God the Gentiles that he won to Christ. He's putting in his mind, well, this is a sacrifice to God. This is a living sacrifice. I, I've won these people to the Christ and, oh God, I'm offering up to you as a living sacrifice. That's, that's so special. Paul was so in love with Jesus that he viewed every soul he led to Christ as a living sacrifice to God. Not only the people that he won to Christ, but he viewed his time, his talents, and his life as an offering to God. You know, um, that's something I think we should think about a whole lot more. We have given ourselves to the Lord. For lack of words, he owns us now. In a positive way, he owns us now. We are not our own, as Paul said, but we've been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. We've been bought with a price. And so we're not really our own anymore to take our life and live it as we please anymore. We have become servants, slaves, if you will, to Christ. What he wants, what he requires of us is what we must be doing. It's what we must be about. Not our own little world that we build, and all of us build them. But it's about Christ and his world. Now, I, I know that in our world, sure, we have to, we, we work. We go to school, we have family relationships, and all that's good. But the priority in your life to serve Jesus must be Jesus. Must be. You know, one of the few things the Old Testament sacrifice did, it honored God for sure. It did that. But if you notice, it had to be a continual process because a particular sacrifice, when it was offered, well, it was over. It, it, it was done. And so it had no lasting impact. There had to be another offering and another offering, another sacrifice and another sacrifice. It just had to be. However, when you come to the New Testament, Christ Jesus changed everything. The Lamb of God gave himself as a superior sacrifice once and for all, forever honoring God, forever praising God, forever meeting the demands of God, forever paying the price for sin's failure. He, forever, once and for all. And so when we come to Christ, the supreme sacrifice, we become holy we become his people, and our lives are to reflect that. I was reading about, um, I'm in the Old Testament now reading about the law, and boy, you can get really caught up at that, and there are some of the laws I still scratch my head about, and quite honestly, I wonder how God could have done that or said that. <laughs> He's God, I'm not. But uh, I was reading those laws, many of them, that were God-ordained, and the people were supposed to keep them. 
And of course, as time went on, the priest put their laws in there and they were representing God to the people. So the people normally thought, okay, these priests have heard from God and they're giving us another regulation. And they just kept building and building. And so it became too hard for the average person to serve God by keeping all of those laws and regulations. It was just too much for them. Now, when you come to Jesus, Jesus said, I obeyed all of them. He's the only man that ever did it. He obeyed every law and every regulation. Jesus obeyed them. So know this, we in Christ Jesus, the demands of the law have been met and we're holy before God. We're a, we're a living sacrifice before God. And that's so very special. Amen. Apart from Christ, we're nothing. We're, we're, we're nothing more than a dead offering in the field of demons. That's it. Away from Jesus, it, 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 it's a dark, dreary, ugly world, which has no future. So we have to ask ourselves sometimes, I, I really think, to get back to what's really important, are we really a living sacrifice that's holy and acceptable to God? Are we really? Does our life really reflect that? Or, or, or does our lives reflect our personal world and what we want to do all the time? Are we really a living sacrifice? A living sacrifice that was put on the altar of Christ that said, here I am, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm yours to use. My life is in love with you? Wow. I do know this. And I, I say this from a heart that I love everybody here. And I want us to advance in the kingdom of God and in Christianity. But I think I can say that God deserves better than what we are currently offering him. And probably everybody here would say amen to that. God deserves better than what we're currently offering him. We are a living sacrifice, offering ourselves to God for his service. I mean, we give ourselves to Christ as an offering because we couldn't fix ourselves. We couldn't. Christ received you and I when we gave ourselves to him because he can fix us. And he did. And he is. And when that happens, our life becomes a sweet aroma ascending before God as a living sacrifice, obeying the teachings of Jesus, loving Jesus and loving others and making sure we're involved with ministry somehow in some way and not letting things of this world get in our way or, or taint us or control us. Um, let me tell this last little thought before I end this service. It's amazing to me um, 
and I, you, you know this is true what I'm about to say. How our culture controls so much of our character. Um, you let a, a um, famous secular singer, rock, country, western, doesn't matter to me, let them become really famous. I will guarantee you a lot of people will want to start talking like them and looking like them. Watch a powerful movie. Say you have a blockbuster. Gone with the wind. <laughs> Some of you don't know what that is. <laughs> I mean, I don't know of any blockbuster today, but you know what I'm talking about. You let that actress, that actor, um, wow, the glamour. I want to look like them. I want to be like them. And you start dressing like them. You start using the same makeup they use. You start buying their clothes they wear. And you want to drive what they drive. And you, you just, it start, your character starts conforming to who they are and what they do. I didn't even got to the sports world yet. I'm not going to even mention Batman and Spider-Man. Man, our children want to be like Batman and Spider-Man. Now, I admit, when I was a kid, I wanted to be like Sp uh, uh, Superman. He was tough. Nobody could whip him. He says, oh, I, want, I want to be like Superman. So I make sure I had my cape around my neck, which was a towel. And I'd act like Superman. But I was a child, and I, I kind of grew up out of that. My, my point to us this morning, we allow so much in this world to conform us and transform us to their standard. And Paul, this is what he's talking about. You, you can't do that. Let your mind be transformed and totally changed by God's word and the Christ. He's made you a brand new creation, a brand new person. So don't let the things of this world taint you. You're holy to God. You're, you're special to God. Don't, don't let this world clothe you and decorate you. You're God's own special people. That's what Paul was saying to us. You're a living sacrifice. You're not a dead one. You're a living sacrifice to God. Wow. That, that, that should encourage us. There's a story about what really happened here. Two cars on a train, passenger train, from Kingston, North Carolina, years ago. Plunge into an open drawbridge on the Elizabeth River. Eighteen of the passengers were drowned or killed by the crash. The signal man insisted that he had displayed his red flag, which meant stop, 
He displayed that flag in time for the engineer to stop the train before entering the open drawbridge. And other employees validated his testimony. But the crash happened. The engineer, however, contended that it was a white flag. It was a white flag. It, it was weighing on him so much. It was a white flag, which meant go. It was a white flag. And he took it as a signal when he saw that white flag. What, the way is clear. Well, the flag was produced in the court. And when it was produced, the mystery was solved. It had faded and might have been mistaken for a white flag. The red flag faded. It could very well have been mistaken for a white flag. Have we faded in our relationship with the Lord of eternity? Have we drawn back from him so much that the world can't tell who we are anymore? Do they look at us and, and automatically say, um, in a manner of speaking, that's a living sacrifice for Jesus? Or could they easily say, that's a dead offering? Have we faded so much? Have we ceased to feed ourselves the food of God's word and spend valuable time in his presence and with his people that, that we have faded? And no one can tell who we are anymore. Does sin seem to be not as bad anymore as it used to be? Do we neglect the things of God without any concern anymore? What are we? I don't know what we're called to be. A living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship to the king of all glory. That's what we're called to be. But if we cease from being that, if, if we live our own lives like we want to and do what we want to do, not looking to Jesus anymore, then we become a dead offering in the field of demons, just like they had in the Old Testament. God said, I will not accept that. I will not. We're holy. We're special. If you know Jesus in here, you, you need to awaken that. We're special people that God has called. Jesus gave his life for us, and our lives are to conform to his. We're to be transformed by our mind continually learning and changing. That's what he calls us to do. I believe in all my heart what God is wanting to do with us is a great thing. Before the great thing happens, there must be a great cleansing. There must be a personal awakening to who he is and what he's called us to be and to do. And if we do not awaken to that, then our senses are dull to the voice of the Spirit. And we can't hear him anymore. And we might mistake his voice for something else.
Oh, that's scary to me. That's always bothered me. Lord, don't let me miss your voice. Don't let me miss who you are. I want to know. I don't want to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. And so I prayed this morning that we've kind of awakened the senses that you're a living sacrifice. You're a living sacrifice. I don't want to be a dead offering. I want to be a living sacrifice. You know what I meant by a dead offering. They brought that offering. They meant well. And they believed in God. But they did it their own way. Not in the prescribed manner that the word of God said. And God rejected it. So it was a dead offering from the field of demons. And God wouldn't accept it. I don't want us to be that way. I want us to be that living sacrifice that loves Jesus, reaches people for the Christ, and our lives show who we are. It must be, church. Let us spend time some prayer this morning, please. I want us to, as they come play something for us softly, Let's spend a few minutes in prayer. Let's spend some time in prayer. Say, Jesus, renew this fact, this reality, that I'm a living sacrifice, a living one, a living one, that's alive by the very breath that you breathe. You allow me to breathe it. And you've called us to be separate, to be a people who can show and reflect who you are. So I ask you to find a place to pray and, and pray that before the Lord and ask him to bring you to where he needs you to be. Submit to, where, to what he wants you to be. And at the same time, I want you to pray for this church and the direction of the church. We're not going to stop praying for that. God is continuing to give us some direction. So please keep praying for this church and its leadership. So please, let's spend a few minutes in prayer. Let's talk to God for a minute. Let's honor him for a minute. Just open your hearts to him for a minute. This is God's time. This is his time. We are so glad that you joined us here today at Liberty Church, and we certainly pray that you received a word from our podcast today. Let me encourage you to support our ministry so that more people can be reached by the gospel. You can do so by going to libertychurch.life and clicking on the giving button. All those donations are used to reach others for the love of God. Again, thank you for joining us, and have a blessed day.